talk my shit. Extreme my French, I talk my shit. Yo, 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 what's up, what's up? Welcome back to the Talk of My Shit podcast with your boy Too Skinny. Uh, I know I'm a little bit late this week, my bad, my bad. Um, we had some scheduling issues with the special guest, man. So I want to introduce uh, one of my friends, fellow comedian, the first stand-up comedian on the podcast, Renee Valdivieso. What's goody? What's goody, bro? <laughs> we finally here. We've been talking about it for a minute, but I'm, I'm honored to finally be here, bro. I'm glad to have you, man. I'm glad to have you. Uh, for the people that don't know Renee, uh, you will get to know him because he will be performing at the pop-up show this coming Saturday, August 22nd. Um, so, I mean, shit, you know what I'm saying? He's going to go on right before me, so he's going to kill that shit, and I'm excited for you guys to see him. I actually... Uh, he's actually the first, com- well, he's actually my only comedian friend, and is the person that got me my first ever uh, show at the Laugh Factory, or a spot at the Laugh Factory, so like I said, I mean, that was one of my biggest accomplishments, I feel like, in comedy, so I will over- always be thankful for that, and I'm grateful for that, so thank you, man, you know what I'm saying, real shit. My pleasure. I'm always trying to help people that I know are genuine. When I saw you, I was like, that's the real thing. <laughs> this dude ain't trying to be like nobody else, ain't trying to mimic nobody else. And I saw that and th- had that opinion when you were green, bro. So <laughs> I, I would want somebody to pay it forward, and people have done that for me. So I was happy to do that for you, man. I appreciate yeah. it, man. And uh, well, now you being the first stand up comedian I have on the show, on this podcast, um, I, I, I've always wanted to interview a comedian or, or kind of ask, kind of bounce ideas with a comedian and talk about their experiences because the only time I ever get to hear this is when I'm on YouTube talk, like listening to famous people talk about bombing and shit like that because I really don't have too many friends in the comedy scene which is mostly my fault, right? Because I sometimes don't stick around after my sets at open mics or at showcases because a lot of the reason is because I don't have a license so transportation is always a bitch for me, you know what I'm saying? So anyway, with that being said, I have a lot of questions for you regarding comedy. So this is going to be a lot of comedy questions, a lot of comedy stuff for the people listening at home. So if you guys are fans of comedy, tune in. It's going to be a great episode. Um, Anyway, so when did you start doing stand-up? So I started officially doing stand-up close to almost five years ago. Um, But I did some comedy study courses before that because I was always on some SNL-type tip or Mad TV-type tip. Mm. I wanted to be in the writer's room. I wanted to make sketches, and I wanted to perform uh, in those sketches. But as far as, like, stand-up, not until I did some courses at Second City and kind of learned the language, learned the jargon, got some structure for it. Uh, they helped me with some placements at open mics and gave me some spaces to explore and perform. After I graduated, per se, from those classes were the first experiences I had officially as a stand-up. And obviously during the tenure of the classes my first open mic experiences as a stand-up, but, uh, and I know we're talking inside baseball with us, but for those of us in this field, we kind of differentiate, like, well, was it an open mic or was it at a show? So that's why I'm kind of mm-hmm. giving you the details on both. Breaking it down, breaking yeah. it down. For, I know for the people that don't know what the difference between an open mic or a show is, uh, for the homies that, you know, don't give a fuck about comedy, um, so open mics is generally where comedians go practice, you know, there's usually not too many people of an audience, you know, unless it's like at a bar and there's people at the bar, which is most likely going to be people that don't even want to hear you say shit, you know, yeah. so we use those mostly for practice, you know, you don't get paid, most of the time you have to fucking pay to perform because there's a two drink minimum, yeah. and shit, I fucking, sometimes I be ducking, bro, I be broke as fuck going to the open mic, bro, motherfuckers like, oh, what are you going to drink? I'm like, oh, hold up. I'm waiting on somebody. Then I'll move tables. Then I go to the bathroom. Then I'll perform and dip. Boy, fuck out of here. Anybody know two drinks? 
Anyway, <laughs> Dude, quick, quick hack for anybody that, bro, as long as the bartender is happy with you, this is all you need to do. Be like, bro, I'm not drinking tonight. I know that there's a two drink minimum. Here's $5. Give me a water. Yeah. Because a beer is 10, the cocktail is 15. Just be like, this is for you. Mm. You pocket this. Mm-hmm. I, I just be like, I don't drink. So he, this is for you. Just be cool with me being here. Yeah. So that's some. For anybody that's doing it, I'm gonna do that. There's man. a secret. I feel like they're gonna kick my ass out. Like, oh, <laughs> you tried to bribe the bartender? <laughs> Fuck. But uh, nah, fool. But uh, man, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I started doing stand up. Uh, I mean, you said so. How long did? How long ago was that? You, when you started, five years ago, you said it's it's nearing about five years. Okay, so I, I've kind of been in the game like three years since 2017. Although the first two years, like I said, I only did like four open mics before, so like maybe eight total between the two years, right? So I kind of doesn't even really fucking count. Um, I did actually more showcases than I did open mics. I mean, not a fucking shit ton, but I mean, at least you can say one a month or one every two months at least, uh, which I mean is very little for a working comic in Chicago. But I mean, this is just my, I'm talking about my first two years. Uh, but anyway, what I'm trying to get at is. Uh, like, doing comedy, like, going to open mics was always so hard for me, like, doing open mics because I was like, fuck, I got to make comedians laugh. And sometimes these motherfuckers are, like, the hardest. Like, you would think that a room full of comics is like, oh, that's going to be easy because, you know, they get it, comedy. But most of those motherfuckers don't ever laugh. So I would always be shitting bricks every time I had to do an open mic. It's literally harder for me to practice than it is to do the real thing, which, I mean, for a lot of people, I feel like it may be opposite, right? Yeah. Um, But anyway, what I was trying to get at is... uh. Was it easy for you to, like, I mean, like, doing that, you know, coming into the club, ducking off from the waitress, and then leaving, it's hard for you to make friends or, or have, like, companion or whatever the fuck, a group of friends in the comedy business or whatever. So I kind of wanted to ask you, like, was it easy for you to make friends when you came in the game? Or what, do, how do you socialize? Or, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> yes and no. Um I knew that there was kind of like an old guard in place. Like, there's always, like, seniority anywhere in any field, and I knew I was going to run into that. So I, through time, established, like, oh, these people are going to be harder to please. But then there was people at my level. They're just like, hey, man, we're just trying to get spots. We're just trying to tell our jokes. We know we're the new blood. And I quickly associated with a lot of those people. Uh, Some quick homies I can give a shout-out to, the People that run uh, Young Hustle, man, they were generous to me. And this was back when they were doing their show in a restaurant with, like, bed sheets as, like, back sets uh, for their— And now they're doing Friday nights at the Laugh Factory, and they always got sold-out shows. And they took me in early on um, in terms of, like, just being supportive, always being cool, always dapping me when they ran into me. Uh, in public, so I mean, shout out those guys. You know who you are, and I'm still in touch with those guys today. But, yeah, I I ran into— People that you just couldn't please, and, you know, that's just a measure of who they are outside of comedy or in comedies. You're going to have those people that are stubborn and hard to please. Mm-hmm. I try not to put too much energy into those people because in the long run, they're not going to matter. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, yeah. do your thing. Case-by-case scenario, people have been good to me overall. That's good, man. That's yeah. good. Yeah, I think I, I think I just need to start sticking around more, hanging out, you know what I'm saying? Like, start acting like a little bitch. I need to stop acting like a little bitch and, and just go out and talk to people. I feel like then that'll make friends. But now that I have you here, you know, first comedian on here, I want to, like, talk to you about your comedian experiences because I feel like, I got because I got homies and shit, my best friends, they're funny as fuck or whatever, but they're not comedians, right? So I can't talk to them about writing process. I can't talk because they're like, what the fuck are you talking about, right? right. So uh, now that I have you here, now we can kind of talk a little bit about the writing process. Um, when I started off doing comedy, my biggest thing was memorizing shit. I was like, I just don't want to be the comedian that's up there looking at his phone 
phone, looking at his notes, or or or, or you know, now that I figure out that it's okay to do, you know, when you're especially when you're practicing or whatnot. But anyway, I would focus so much on, on memorizing shit that I would literally write out my whole set word for word from the be- moment I touched the mic to the moment I got off. And I mean, shit, it was time draining. I was focusing more on memorizing shit that when I was on stage, the jokes wouldn't even hit just because I'm trying to get through the set moving quickly, you know, so making sure I don't forget anything. And then shit didn't really hit like like it should have hit. So I guess I want to ask you kind of how do you write, you know, because I'm trying to make a shift into like instead of writing the whole thing out, kind of just keeping bullet points I, I, on my notes and then maybe day of the show going back and maybe or day of the mic or whatever going back and actually maybe writing a little bit more next to the bullet point just to kind of have pointers for myself but then kind of the rest of the story or whatever do it off the dome or whatnot or as it comes on, on stage or whatever and I feel like it's been working for me it's made it a lot more fun for me but uh, kind of I want to ask you what's your writing process usually like now yeah I'll tell you the semantics and then I'll tell you the syntax that follows that so the semantics, and this is what I tell everybody that Gee, is key. I'm dumb as fuck. I don't know what that means. So, <laughs> so the semantics is like, uh, and I'm not going to get this definition right, so I'll just get, be vague about it. Semantics is like the more genuine feeling on what drives this. The syntax is like the robotic data, mm-hmm. uh, th- that bullshit where it's just like the non-human element, yeah. where it's just like the arbitrary shit, the binary shit. So the semantics on it is... Um, what I'm trying to get at is I encourage myself every day, live life, talk to people, read the news. Because when you experience life, you run into situations where you find material. In. Mm-hmm. And I say that because some people do this whole process of like, all right, from 11 to 1 p.m., I'm going to sit at my desk. I'm going to have my journal open and I'm just going to write. And I've never been able to do that. And my whole thing was like, I'll find material, I'll find something funny and something I'm experiencing. So I always like, that's why I encourage people, go out, live life, talk to people, don't be shy. Because in hearing the backgrounds of these people and having these engagements with these people or being in these new places, witnessing the dynamics of all these new places, you get, that's where I get my inspiration. So now that I tell you the the semantics about it, once I have that, the syntax is where I'm like, now I got a premise here. So that's where my phone comes in. I'll send myself a premise uh, if I have like a notepad or pen on me, which is rare, but sometimes I do. I'll have it in the car. I'll have it in a bag I got. I'll write it down um, or I'll voice memo it. And sometimes like a whole joke will come into me because like the what I'm experiencing at the moment, there's no fat needed. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, it's right there. Like, it's right there. All I got to do is reinterpret it with my own voice. And then sometimes I do the twist, but it's uh, texting myself voice memo as soon as I have the idea. But none of that is possible without me literally experiencing a variation of what's going to end up being told in a funny way in a joke. But you got to experience real life. Yeah, That's just my method. Yeah, yeah. Um, damn, bro. Yo has no auto words, like... In the vocabulary, boy. Shit, I used to do hip hop, man. I, I was always well versed. <laughs> no, nah, but anyway, uh, so I mean, shit, doing comedy. I mean, I feel like one of the worst experiences as a comic you could have um, is definitely bombing on stage, right? If not the worst experience, right? It's when, for the people that don't know what bombing is, you know, obviously when you eat dicks on stage is when you fucking, when your jokes suck, you know? <laughs> and uh, I basically want to ask you about your experiences, you know? I have, I've had one that I can definitely remember. I've had two. One that I can definitely remember, but I want to hear yours first. So do you remember the worst time you've ever bombed or some of the worst times you've ever bombed? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you that in New Orleans... 
that one sticks out the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like a funny side note, I did a show in my hometown of Rockford. Uh, my buddies who own the bar, manage the bar, they're like, hey, man, you're doing comedy in Chicago. You're like, you're funny as hell. You're doing it big. Like, come to our, our show. We're doing we're hosting this corporate event, and they want comedians. And I was like, all right, what's the company? And the name escapes me right now. I'm not trying to protect them, <laughs> but you can easily look it up. It's the company that makes the ice cream machines at McDonald's. <laughs> so... What the fuck do you think I joked about in my first three jokes? I mean, shit. The fucking ice cream machine. Yeah, exactly. Always being broken. So they told me ahead of time. I'm like, hey, man, is there anything you don't want us to talk about? We won't talk about any words you don't want us. And they hit me with, we're all adults. Just do your thing, yada, yada. Like, not even three jokes in, I bring up the fucking broken ice cream machine. And everybody starts doing that hand motion with, on their throat. Like, cut it out. Like, don't say that shit. Oh. Cut that shit. And Like, you just said the N-word or yeah, something. Yeah, and I never won them back the rest of the show. And luckily, I brought two comedians from Chicago with me that I respect a lot. And I told them, I was like, bro, I'm going to absorb this energy. I know I'm not going to win them back. <laughs> so I'm going to be the punching bag. And... I'm going to hype you guys up. This is your showcase. <laughs> and so I ate dicks that night. But the worst, worst was I was in New Orleans for this bartender convention called Tales of the Cocktail. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, and let me tell you, Tales of the Cocktail is like celebrities go there. Like big business is there. Like you got Patron doing events. You got Bacardi doing events that are like at these big warehouse spaces. DJed out. Multi-millions dollars going there. So... I essentially go down there, and I'm like, I can eat and drink for free for a week. And my dumbass was like, let me go do comedy in, like, <laughs> let me go do comedy in some, like, 20, 20-seater bars. Jeez, instead of having fun, you went to go do comedy. <laughs> so, yeah, I tortured my own ass, and I was like, no, man, I want to be able to say I did comedy in New Orleans. So I did two shows. I did four total shows. First show was decent. Second night, I had two shows in one night. And... Like, this was the first time, like, comedy legit scared me. And I was like, I'm not going to quit, but what the fuck am I doing? Like, what did I do wrong? Because I paid $30 to get to the first spot in an Uber, and I paid $30 to get to the second spot in an Uber, and I ate my dick at both shows. Like, I ate my fucking dick and came in my own mouth and swallowed with tears in my eyes. I ate my own dick, bro. Like... (laughs) With and, a fork and knife, dog. Yeah, it's fun, yeah, man. There was this, like, Basil Hayden's, like, warehouse party that I was, I had time to get to. And I straight up after, I bombed. And I'm telling you, these were jokes that worked everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So I was in my head, like, why isn't this working? Is there a language barrier? Am I pronouncing words funny? Is it the way? So I'm just in my head, and my whole set goes to shit. I never <laughs> win these people back. I apologize to the producers who gave me time. <laughs> but in all fairness, I sent my clip. They saw people were laughing. That's why they gave me these spots. Right. But I, I was like, I don't know what happened, but I'm genuinely sorry that I... <laughs> did this to this room <laughs> and instead of going to this like sponsored party where it's like Snoop Dogg was gonna DJ at and <laughs> I went to my hotel room by myself had a cocktail and just thought like what the fuck <laughs> just happened it was such a shell shock to yeah. me and it was a very much needed slice of humble pie because I was on a hot streak when I started. Like, I, I just was not missing and then I missed in a grand way and I'm like oh shit 
my shit only works in Chicago or something. <laughs> so I, I made the adjustments I thought I needed. And the next night, I closed out the House of Blues mm-hmm. in New Orleans. And I had one of the best sets I've ever had in my life. And so I was able to switch gears. But goddamn, did that bomb come close <laughs> to making me be like, bro, you should just go back to music. Yeah. This shit ain't fucking working. <laughs> Man, dude, I, I, I've told the story about the time I bombed at Riddles here one time. I was... uh. I th- yeah, but the the first time I actually ever bombed because because I did two showcases back to back when I first started like two different two weeks apart and I fucking they went fucking great and I like you said I I, ha- I was on a streak so I needed a fucking slice of that humble pie and shit I needed the whole fucking thing honestly because I was on some I was on some bullshit boy on God and I was talking I was DMing Twitter and shit like y'all should verify me and shit like I was on that but uh, anyway so <laughs> I <laughs> I end up. Uh, I end up signing up for the Laugh Factory open mic. So uh, that open mic, uh, if you're familiar with it, you have to sign up one week ahead. So you go you go on Wednesday, have to wait in line most likely because there's other comics waiting in line. You sign up, but you don't get to perform that night, so you have to perform the following week. So if you live out in the suburbs, you have to go drive to the city or metro, whatever the fuck, to the city two times, bro. So you're pay- And then on top of that, you're paying for the ticket or you're paying for the gas and you're paying for the two-drink minimum or whatever. So you're going to waste money regardless, right? Um, but anyway, so I ended up signing for this open mic. I thought I was the shit. Then I go to the open mic, come to find... I had like a fucking five-minute, six-minute set ready. Come to find out you only get three minutes and it has to be clean. So uh. that means no cursing, no sexual talk. Now, I don't got too many jokes like regard- like uh, about sex because I don't have sex, but... <laughs> 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 but uh, but uh, definitely uh, definitely curse a lot. You know what I'm saying? Right off the bat, I'm talking about fuck or whatever. So um, they like right off bat, like people kind of were distasteful that I cursed. Um, and then I, the rest of the set just fucking went to shit. So I got off stage. That that on my way home, that was fucking. I was considering like I was like, man, like fuck it. You know, I'm just do what everybody does. Get my CDL, call it quits. Fuck comedy. <laughs> I, I'm not even that funny. Who the fuck gassed me up, man? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was the one time I bombed, but it was at an open mic, so like you said, that's for practice. It doesn't really fucking matter. The time that it did matter, though, it was uh, 2017 on my mom's birthday, November 25th. Um, I remember uh, it was the Friday. It was Black Friday, so that Black Friday, um, they had a comedy show at Riddle's Comedy Club. So that club is predominantly urban or black or whatever. So it's, you know, uh, it's a a lot of black people or whatever. So I've done shows with black people and it's my favorite shows because when you actually are funny and you get them going... They, they will laugh loud. And it's some of the best feelings. Like, as a comic, you don't hear them oh, laugh yeah. or holler, right? They're so, passionate laughers. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. So, so even to the point where you have to stop doing stop doing the set because they're laughing or whatever. But yeah. anyway, um, that night, I remember that day, um, I was I went with the homie, and I, we were cruising around the city. At that time, I was heavy on drugs, so I was, like, doing cocaine all over Chicago, just fucking... Just all fucking coked out at the bean. Like, what a fucking loser. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so uh, I went to the show and ended up, like, uh, they ended up putting me up first five minutes. From the beginning to end, I well, I didn't mention that I completely tossed my material. I was so high off coke. I was like, man, fuck this material. I know these jokes work. I need to try something different. Like, I'm, I'm raw as fuck. So <laughs> I ended up coming up with, like, this fucking Thanksgiving set or whatever. Just completely random dumb shit. Got on stage, ate my whole dick, just like you said, bro. Just from beginning. <laughs> like, it, the people, it was so bad that the people didn't even fucking shut up anymore. Like, they were not being quiet. They ended up talking to the other tables. Like, hey, hi. 
how you doing? I haven't seen you so long. Uh, what you doing for Thanksgiving? Oh, you know, my baby's over. You know, like, you know, black, <laughs> you black just, lady conversation. You, you just stopped existing in the room. Yeah, for sure. Oh, like, just... they didn't give a fuck about what the fuck was going on. It was like a musical act, you know, where motherfuckers are eating, you know? Like, yeah, yeah we're eating. They're playing, but we're just going to keep eating and conversating. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was, bro. And I fucking, to this day, bro, I remember that right home, my homie was trying to, like, it was these. Shut the fuck up, bro. That shit was ass, boy. And to top it off, it was my mom's birthday. So when I got to the crib, uh, my mom had friends over. It was a party. My mom's like, oh, my God, how'd it go? My son, he's a comedian. He had a show in Chicago. Whole time, I have to lie and shit. Like, yeah, I fucking killed that shit, man. They want me back. Fuck out of here, boy. I ain't fucking... They don't never want to see me at Riddles anymore, man. Bro, it is crucial to have people in your circle that will tell you, bro... That shit sucks. Yeah, yeah. Bro, you can't have just enablers in your squad, man. They ain't doing you favors. Yeah. I tell my friends all the time, like, bro, if I'm ass, the best thing you can do for me is point out that I'm ass. I got shit all over me. I need toilet paper. I need a wet wipe. Like, yeah, like, and I, I think my homie was just kind of like, the comedy was like the last thing he was worried about. I mean, obviously, he saw me spiraling, spiraling out of control <laughs> with other shit. So he was actually trying to talk to me about that, not about the comedy. Like I said, he didn't give a fuck about it. He was like, yeah, it was good, but also... You're about to OD or something. <laughs> you were on suicide. Yeah, 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 exactly, too. <laughs> so, yeah, dude, I remember that night. It was so fucking bad. Because it was, like I said, it was a party, so I just went to buy more drugs, and I just fucking stayed up the whole night, and oh, it was fucking, no. it was, like, super depressing. But anyway, past that point in my life, I'm happy right now. But speaking about happiness and, and good points in life or whatever, um, well, I mean, there's bad times in comedy, but there's also those great payoffs, those great moments. And I want to ask you about accomplishments. What do you feel like is your biggest accomplishment in comedy, um, whether it be a specific gig that you booked a specific venue or opened or met a specific comedian what, what do you think is your biggest accomplishment um i'm i mean i'll forever be proud of like my personal independent endeavors like i used to uh, bro run. you gotta dumb that shit down a little bro talking about endeavors, <laughs> endeavors. <laughs> uh things i've worked nah, on kidding, that... <laughs> bro. Go ahead, go ahead. i'm the dumbest one everybody that listens to this is smart bro. I'm, I'm the only dumb one <laughs> Go ahead, everyone. I got you. So, like, I'll always be proud of, like, the sh the stuff that I was able to create on my own. Uh, so, it's hard to get booked when you're just starting off. You're competing against people that have been doing this forever, and they got their seat at the fucking table, and they don't want to give up that stage time, and I, I get it. I respect it. So, I did a show called Squadville out in Logan Square. That was my first independent. I'm super proud of that to this day. I, I'm probably going to bring it back at another venue at some point. Um, super proud of the show Soiree that I had thought of for years. And I'm I, I'm bougie on some shit. I, I like to dress up here and there and like feel like I'm the great Gatsby in the 1920s, but in 2020. Roaring yeah. 20s are back. Yeah, my homie got drip, drip, boy. Y'all yeah, like, got to follow him. We're going to talk about his ads and shit. Shit, dude. I, I dressed down. I was like, I'm not trying to wear fucking Nike Fury Gods and Aurora. I right. Heard, I, 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 I where he came with Yeezys. <laughs> I would have left with Hanes socks. <laughs> nah, fucking Damn, around. I'm in a safe neighborhood. Yeah, fuck okay. <laughs> yeah, that motherfucker blown up right now, boy. <laughs> but we'll get into that in a little bit, bro. Yeah, um, yeah your accomplishments. Sorry. Yeah, but the biggest thing was like, once I started doing stand-up, um, I the what's iconic to me was the Laugh Factory logo. Like they got locations all over the country. Anytime I was in LA, I would go to the comedy store and I'd go to Laugh Factory because I was just a big comedy nerd before any of this popped off. 
And just to address anybody that's like, oh, only five years? Like, this is just a hobby for you. It's like, bro, like, some kids, when they were little, would play video games. They'd play with all the kids in the neighborhood. My ass would be on looking at the printed TV guide to see when the rerun of a specific Comedy Central half-hour special was going to re-air. And I would force my friends to watch that shit. So I've always been super animated and passionate about stand-up. And so when I got a chance to go to L.A., it was strictly for stand-up base. And I remember seeing the Laugh Factory logo for the first time. I took a picture like a fucking tourist on that stage, which I now have learned that other performers hate when, like, Mm -hmm. civilians do. So I got on stage, had my homie take a picture of me holding the mic, and I was like, maybe one day. So years later and to the present, like, about... Five years ago, wait, no, three years ago was when I did my first spot at the Laugh Factory. It was that moment where I'm like, I'm actually performing in front of this logo in Chicago, Illinois. And that was my proudest moment. That's like, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know if my dream will come true, but that I made it in front of this logo based on jokes I was writing. That was a huge moment for me. Yeah, man, definitely. And again, again, I want to fucking still thank you for you giving me the opportunity to have the same feeling because, I mean, like, it's shit that you, like I said, you watch, especially as a comedy fan, you go on YouTube, you watch, I mean, like I said, the Leah's canceled or whatever now, but, I mean, his his, his famous, uh, yeah. the rapper laugh uh, in front of the Laugh Factory logo yeah. or, uh, I mean, so many other, like, Laugh Factory iconic tapes or clips, uh, a lot of that made even a lot of comics their careers that are today, you know? Um, Especially that Kramer one. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, dude, that dude, was that in Long Beach or Hollywood? Uh, No, that's in Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, yeah? They they still have signs outside of the door that address that situation. Holy fuck. They're like, because of this... No camera. <laughs> I thought that shit was funny. I was yeah. I was there a couple months ago, but yeah, continue. But yeah, uh, anyway. So I mean, I the, the I mean, the, well, the first time I was there was that time that I bombed at the open mic. But when you walk up that hallway, for the people that haven't been to Life Factory, you walk up a hallway and there's a bar there. You know, bathrooms to the left and to the 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 the, the theater or the venue is to the to the right. Right, you go through those double doors, and I mean, the Life Factory logo is in yellow, blue, red. You know, it's, it's, it's very bright colors, so it's almost it looks like a fucking sun. Right, we, we, yeah. we, the light looks fucking crazy, and it's just it's unbelievable because it's such a you would think it's a small venue, especially off clips only. But when you're there, you're like, Holy fuck, this place is big! It's big, yeah. And then, uh, the first time I was actually up there, I won, uh, I won a lottery spot, uh, for the verified laugh showcase on July 3rd, 2019, and uh, that was fucking amazing. You know, they ended up inviting me fucking back for their next uh, verified laughs. And that time I went, you actually went to support me, so I really thank you for that as well. Um, but anyway, that day, I mean, you walk in, they have the projector screen down, your picture comes up there. So, I mean, again, it's a fucking crazy-ass feeling. Like, holy fuck, that's that's me, you know? Hey. And uh, and then you had me back for the Highly Recommended, which, I mean, that day, that lineup was crazy. I got bumped by Joey Villa Gomez, and then I got... And then, and then Kristen Toomey had to leave to do another show. Yeah. So I had to go after... Like, killers, bro. And still, I felt like I did okay. Which is good. Yeah, so I'm like, dude, like, I'm, I'm, I don't... I'm happy to be in this... I mean, I'm not in the circle, but I'm happy to be here with y'all. And, I mean, Pat McGann was there that night, and then he ended up... I mean, he has a special came out now presented by Sebastian Maniscalco. I mean, it's fucking, like, you're... It almost feels like, oh, shit, I'm in this shit. Like, like my foot is in the door type shit. Like, I just got to keep going and go farther with this shit, so... You just got to scoot a little closer to rub elbows with people you look up to, man. Yeah, 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 man. For sure. 
Dude, on the side note of the open mic, um, you got in there. So I never did the Laugh Factory open mic, uh, full disclosure. Uh, some people are understanding that that's the only way you get on the stage. With the Laugh Factory open mic, the reason I was never able to do it on the few times I was able to get off work because I work nights, so I don't get to do open mics that much, and open mics are at night. Um, I The few times I was able to, like, block off Wednesdays and go to the open mic, the person that would draw names at the time was very clicky. Mm -hmm. And so this person would take the bucket, go into that little side service station and pull the curtain close Mm -hmm. and suddenly come out with all of her homies' names. Oh, And so I was just like, I would never get drawn. So I lost all, I'm like, I'm losing money every Wednesday I'm here. And I'm never going to win against these politics. Yeah. And so I politics are everywhere and everywhere I've, I've ever worked. So that's just, I'm like, I'm if I'm ever going to get into the Laugh Factory, it's not going to be from this open mic because yeah. this system's against me right now. Yeah. And I'm not going to challenge it. I don't like to ruffle feathers, especially being new blood. But yeah, exactly. I'm glad that you were able to get into it genuinely because yeah. at the time, it was not an option for yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, I think the time that I went, it was just first fifteen or first first fifteen or first twenty comics. So it wasn't a it wasn't a raffle. It was just the first motherfuckers there. So there would be a line for like hours. Yeah. So I just stood in line for like two hours. But I mean, I'd rather be in line for two hours. But no, I'm gonna get a spot the following week than go and sign up and then not get paid. You know, lose a day of work or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, so, I mean, we're both Mexican. We're both Latino. I just found out you were born in Mexico, so that's fucking dope. Hell yeah. Where where, where are you from? Uh, so I was born in Ixtapan de la Sal. It's, Boy, what the fuck is that? I know, bro. <laughs> it's, it's a small-ass town known for a water park. It's, uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> Y'all like Yorkville and shit? Yeah. Raging waves-ass boy? Dude, anybody <laughs> that, like, other Mexicans that are familiar with that area and they find out where I live, they always say the same shit. It's always some old-school-ass Mexicans. They're like, oh, like, and I'll say it in English, so, well, you got a lot of Mexican listeners they're like oh, tienen el balnario y tienen el curso de golf and that, I'm like that's, that's all there is like yeah. but it's a small little town I, close, I was, close to what? it's two hours south of Mexico City okay. um, so I usually fly in there and then commute what's the, um, what's the name of the state there? Uh, it's the state of Mexico oh okay yeah uh, and my dad's family was like from half an hour north of there but yeah I was born like more closer to where my mom's family lives oh. and uh, yeah, I uh, was born there. My brother was born there uh, and eventually made our way to Illinois because my dad got a job over here and uh, we've been here ever since, man. Dude, I was I was an immigrant for until I was like in my 20s. Damn, so when people are like, you ain't Mexican, I was like, bitch, I was illegal for decades. Like, <laughs> who the fuck are you? <laughs> born in Waukegan ass boy. <laughs> <laughs> got him. My cousins, that's for y'all. Uh, <laughs> nah, but anyway, uh, be, well, be Mexican, be Latino. Uh, in, there's a lot of famous, uh, a lot of the like, kings of comedy are Hispanic. You know, like George Lopez, Fluffy, you know, there's a lot of big names um, that, I mean, people look up to, right? So being Mexican, you try, you look up to those people, but you also try, I feel like I've tried to stay away from like stereotypical Mexican jokes. I try to stay away from doing the Mexican mom accent or the Mexican dad accent, uh, just because I don't want to be like, oh, that's another Mexican comic. I, I, want, I try to be as unique as I can. Now, um... I, yeah, I guess you can say I guess I don't really embrace. I try not to, which is kind of fucked up to say. But um, but I kind of want to ask you, you know, what do you do? Or do you embrace it? Do you kind of lean with it? Do you stay away from it? What do you, as far as, like, writing jokes or material, do you? Um, it's where where it's necessary, I do sprinkle it in. But I do 
uh, error on the side of avoiding being a hack. Like, I, I'm not going to make the usual, like, like you said, like the accents or be like, yeah, we hit pinatas and we love tacos and shit like that. And I, if I do touch on any of those elements, I'm like, what's a goofy ass, unique ass way that like literally like it's possible that this is only funny to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I can burn a joke like like I'll give you an example of what I mean. Like uh there's a there's a joke where how do I say that? Man, that's tricky as hell. Um, you know, fuck it. I'll, I'll do it at the show, which right. you guys are going to be at Saturday. <laughs> but just know that, like, if I do touch on something that is part of our culture, which I'm proud of our culture, like, I'm one of those dudes that will defend a $4 taco in fucking Pilsen. I'm like, dude, support the business. Value our food. And they're like, no, man, salsa should be free. Taco should be 50 cents. I'm like, uh, they're going to go out of business, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, you got to you yeah. gotta value our food. Otherwise, white people are never going to value yeah, for, our food. For sure, I, never, I do not value $4. Value $4. <laughs> Tacos, you got me fucked up, bro. Like That's it, a burrito, boy. It's got to start with us. But I do, I have to, there's no, <laughs> no way, there's no way I can't talk about being Mexican. I'm just very careful on, like, how I present us. And if I am poking fun at the culture, I'm poking fun at myself. Mm. And I'm poking fun at the Mexican experience I've had within my family, within my eyes, within myself. Um, but am I gonna fucking target uh, some people? That's what comedy does. Karma, comedy targets people. So, like, if somebody feels salty about it, that's fine. But everybody else in the room's laughing. For but sure. yeah, I, it's important to keep in touch with your identity, but not be hack about it. Yeah, um, yeah, man. And with comedy now stopping, I mean, for a lot of people, um, I mean, I just recently started getting back on stage. I mean, I'm assuming you did the same. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with quarantine hitting and you being in the industry and serving the—is it called the service industry? Is yep. it just the industry? What service is it? industry. Okay, being in the service yep. industry, shutting down completely. Comedy, obviously, shutting down completely as well. Uh, how did you spend your quarantine? What did you end up doing? I mean, shit, motherfuckers was bored as hell. Uh, I I got the fuck out of the city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I got out. I I was lucky to be offered a an, an escape where I was away from population i was just around nature i i had money saved up um luckily unemployment was very nice to me because i've always been a workhorse i've never had to use unemployment before so i spent my unemployment just making sure i stayed healthy exercising being outside like working on creative projects that I could do within my means, like being indoors, writing sketches, um, thinking about script ideas, polishing my jokes. Bro, I was on social media cranking out like three jokes a day. Yeah, I did see you. Like, just every day, I'm like, I have to try. If I can make one person laugh today, then I, I'll feel like my creative like muscle wasn't, gone to waste for that day yeah i feel so, the same way i do that on twitter too i'll try to sometimes it'll be something corny sometimes it'll be something genuine but i always try to make people laugh at least once a day and as also something i do maybe use a comic as well when you meet somebody new i always have to make them laugh like if i didn't make you laugh as we met i feel like i didn't do my thing you know unless you're a fucking cop then no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Bro, you gotta you have to tag especially on twitter you have to tag literally everything you put up because I I wrote a joke 
Um, you remember that like St. Louis couple with, that came out with the guns yeah. outside the mansion because yeah. people like broke into their little cul-de-sac <laughs> and like everybody made memes about it. I fucking went to Twitter with a joke that was like saving private property mm-hmm. and the joke started going viral. But then someone jacked my shit and did a Photoshop movie poster of it based on Saving Private Ryan. And then they went mega viral. And I was like, bro, you getting hype off my shit. Dude, I boo, fuck all y'all that stole my shit from all the Dairy Delight versus Banana Split. Motherfuckers that ran off with my memes, that ran off with my... Y'all be on Facebook with it. Old ass fucking people on Facebook. Fuck y'all. Anyway, uh, (laughs) fuck you, man. Tag me. Come to the show at least. But uh, anyway, man, so you were... You were actually, I mean, I, I'm not to disclose, I mean, not to put out your location or whatever, but you were uh, near Minneapolis yeah. when the whole George Floyd thing broke yep. out as well. Yep. How was that? Were you as close to the riots? Did you see anything, experience anything? Tell yeah. me about that. I mean, the atmosphere in general was very, very tense. Um, you got to keep in mind, um, anytime I've been to that area, I rarely see people of color. So I was not surprised that people seem to be out of their depth with having an opinion on it and not grasping how crazy it was. The news, I was watching the news 24-7 and any type of social channel I could get outside of TV, on TV. Uh, Yeah, there was fear. There was a lot of fear in the city because it was something that was impacting the world, and it rightfully should have. Everyone should have been talking about it because the fact that we were able to see a man get murdered and, like, it was still like a maybe we'll arrest these guys that did it was insane. And, of course, the world was bloodthirsty for these people. And so there was constant fear on how big this fallout was going to be. And I was fortunate enough to be in an area that was outside the ground zero of where these riots were happening and protests. And uh, so I dodged a lot of that. We stayed out of that area. Nothing ever came towards us, luckily. But it it was a learning moment for a lot of people there that had never seen what it is like for African-Americans, for black America, for people of color and how they're treated differently by the cops. Because one thing I heard a lot while I was out there is like, what, cops can be like that? And it's like, fuck yeah. yeah. Cops have always been dicks to me. Yeah. And yeah. even um, I'm a white passing Mexican still. Yeah. And so just people out of touch. Yeah. They got a, a, a hard wake-up call when that happened. And it's, it's a good thing. A lot of them came out better after the end of that. But... You know, there's collateral damage. There yeah. has to be. Yeah. Uh, speaking about collateral damage, uh, you, uh, like I said, not to give out your disclosure, your dis- location again, but <laughs> you live downtown Chicago. I'm essentially Batman. <laughs> yeah. You li- you li- yeah, exactly. So you live downtown Chicago, uh, Gotham City, and uh, and you were basically at the heart where all these riots and looters started happening just recently. Not th- Well, this last time as well, and the first time. I think, were, the- were you gone for the first one? No, I was here. Oh, so how was that? Tell me about it, like being actually living downtown and, and having that happen in your neighborhood? Because, oh, uh, I mean, also we want to make it clear that we support the protest and the movement. Yeah. Right? We're just speaking specifically yeah. on the, what do you call them, opportunists? Opportunists. So yes. I'm very careful when discussing this because I know that there's some people that view this topic in a very one-dimensional lens and think that if I say, hey, man, 
that random white guy on the street probably shouldn't get shanked and punched in his jaw in front of his kids. Other people would be like, oh, so you don't value black lives, you're against protesters. And it's unfortunate there's some people like that. That's not what I'm fucking saying. I value black lives. I, I, I call these people opportunists. There's some people that ruin it for everybody else. And that's what I witnessed in my neighborhood is in like just a most recently with what happened in Inglewood where the 20 year old guy who was shooting at the cops was shot at and was sent to the hospital and is now alive, but is being charged with attempted murder. That shit sprung out of control through word of mouth. And all these people from Inglewood and all these people from surrounding neighborhoods and were reported to be going down the street. Like, they crowded my neighborhood. They were breaking into, into all these businesses. But you got to keep in mind, like, all these people, like, that shit can be replaced. Like, all these are valuables. They got insurance. It'll cover everything. It's like, bro, have you ever read the fine print on insurance? <laughs> State Farm ain't covering everything I fucking own if, if my shit goes up in flames or gets stolen. And I've worked hard for the shit I got. On that note, there's 22,000 people that live downtown. So where I draw the line is like, why are you trying to break into my building of residence? It's very obviously a building of residence. There's no AT&T logo outside my building. There's no Foot Locker logo outside my building. There are some logos outside my building, but I'm not going to let y'all know that. Um, (laughs) But it's not just big business. So I got to see this shit happening. I was in ground zero of this shit. So I went from... Minneapolis with George Floyd to coming to Chicago and seeing the fallout of Breonna Taylor, who deserves fucking justice. They, those cops should absolutely be in jail right now. And But what gets muddied is with what happened in Gold Coast and downtown, where people just essentially became lawless and went into chaos and opportunists came out. That wasn't protesters. That was opportunists that came out. And there was $60 million in damages, bro. People were getting ran over. People were getting shanked. People were getting shot. Uh, It was just madness. And then it turns out at the end of the day, out of all the people that got charges pressed against them and arrested, none of them were from fucking Inglewood, man. It was just all these other people that were like, oh, shit, this is our chance. Let's go fuck Gucci up. Let's go fuck Omega up. Let's go fuck that Best Buy up. And it just muddied the cause, man. And Brianna's... Killers are still not arrested, and Inglewood has a bad image, and they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's all bad, man, honestly. Um, you also uh, almost got canceled because you put up a joke regarding the looters, <laughs> yeah. and I want you to tell me a little bit more about that because I've never been canceled, and I hope I never do, but with the shit I say, I probably will one day. But I want to hear uh, the time about the time that you almost got canceled. Out of all the things I've ever joked about, which I joke about the cleanest, cheesiest shit, to I touch on taboo things, but I do it in a clever way, in a smart way. I'm never edgy or on the nose about the shit. And I'm proud of the style I got because I have a wide range. I would have never expected to catch this much shit over one of the cleanest jokes I've ever told in my goddamn life. So... <laughs> Like I said, in quarantine, there was no stages. I was never going to do one of those Zoom shows because the internet's forever. I'm not putting my material on the internet like that unless you come to a fucking show. Dude, I did one of those. They're fucking so shit. Bro. How'd you feel after? 
I felt like I got abused, bro. Like, it was just like, what the fuck did I just waste my time doing? It, like, it, my internet was lagging. I was tweaking. Nobody was watching. The worst. <laughs> I, I just I just feel like it would be like your first day at a job where you know you just got a major pay cut. Yeah. yeah. Like, just like, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah, I just here? broke a case of beer. Fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but bro, so I'm, during quarantine, I was like, I'm not going to do these fucking Zoom shows. And then when it got to the point where I was like, I'm not going to be doing stand-up off the back of a fucking truck, man. I respect this shit too much dude for those of you that did it i get it i respect this shit too much to want to do that it has to be on a stage it has to be mic'd up it has to have good sound system if you have that i'll entertain it but just acapella in a park i'm gonna stay fucking home dog um dude but, dude i got a quick story yeah do it do it i got i i i the for the it was called for those of you the, the thing he's talking about fucking i'm gonna name drop it's called comedy pickup so there's basically these guys that have a comedy show basically they do it out of a out of a pickup truck you got to get on the back of the bed of the pickup truck and then they park somewhere and people the audience or whatever sit next to the car that's parked right and i didn't know it was i thought it was called just the show was called comedy pickup right so they were like send in submission so i sent in a submission got an email back they're like oh yeah you're good to feature uh you want to do Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? I'm like, what? That's you get booked for the whole week? God damn. Yeah, I was like, I'm a demon, boy. Yes. Yeah, and then I looked them up. I was like, boy, these motherfuckers are on a truck. Get the fuck out of here. And I not to shit on y'all. If y'all did it, man, that's cool for y'all. But I'm a big motherfucker. How the fuck I'm going to get on the back of a truck first and foremost? Second of, all, second of all, when I jump off, I'm breaking my ACL or something. But it was just... It's <laughs> not something that I could have done. And like I said, you know, I, I've, I've done shows, bar shows, where I knew I shouldn't have done, but I did it for the practice. But that's, yeah, I think I would definitely draw the line there too, bro. Like Mark Normans, a, a prolific joke writer that I respect. Yeah. He just released a little special. Mark Norman. Mark Norman. And it's like, bro, if Mark Norman is bombing in a park, mm -hmm. what the fuck am I doing in a park, bro? Yeah. He runs laps around all of us. That's why I was like, I'm good, man. I'm going to hold on to a little pride I got left in this shit. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, speaking about the joke that you the wrote. The joke, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, backstory, I overtalked for that shit, but I spent my time testing material multiple times a day online. So, this clean-ass joke during the protest, I and this is when everyone's writing, like, the most extreme pick-this-side-or-pick-that-side type shit and just arguing. I go online, change the mood a little bit, and I'm just like... I called the police on a looter who broke in and stole my heart. <laughs> and for the most part, everybody was like, oh, shit, that's funny. Nice change of pace. We needed this at this time. But, man, bro, this one dude was like 100 comments deep trying to murder me with words. <laughs> like, you, like he, he told me that my joke kills black lives. That I'm the reason people are dead and just oh, throwing shit. all this shit at me where I'm like, where the fuck did we just detour with this clean ass joke where I'm talking about a looter being so cute that I fell in love with him. Like, I make myself gay in the joke. Yeah. I'm an ally to the gay community. I... I like, I uplift this dude. I punched up to a looter yeah. with this woke-ass, liberal-ass scene that's like, oh, don't punch down. I punched <laughs> up to a looter. And anyways, this dude, like, really got in his fucking feelings. And I think, to to my credit, I think he was displaying a, a big amount of mental illness because he was just beyond reach. Like, nothing I was saying was registering with him. People were in my DMs. It's like, just block this dude. He's not making any sense. But 
I'm, I pride myself on never shutting off comments. Like, I, I don't post anything I can't back up. I don't block people for disagreeing with me. I, I never get salty about that shit. So I left all the comments up. And I'm just like, I want to see people. I want people to see that I'm transparent. I own what I say. I told a clean-ass joke. And this dude showed his ass in 100 comments. Yeah. And so he started threatening me physically. He lives in New York. I live in Chicago. He's not going to affect my career at all. Mm. I'm not worried about him. So I just screen grabbed it, <laughs> saved the shit, and I had to address it the next day. I'm like, yo, if if for anybody that's new here or acting brand new, I test out material here. If you can't handle that shit, like, fucking walk, bro. <laughs> like, this, I'm trying to make people happy. Like, yeah. that's like the most innocent shit anyone can do right now. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. I mean, fuck. I, I, I. Sometimes I be wanting to comment. Sometimes too, like, cause when people are arguing, but I try my best not to because I'm like, fuck that, bro. Cause then I'm gonna say some shit, and they gonna say some slick shit to me, and then I'm gonna wanna fight at the open mic, and then I'm gonna get banned from the club. So uh. I just gotta shut the fuck up. So I try to keep my comedy shit like on the low, like not on the low, but I just try to be low key in the scene. I come to the shows, I'll come to the mic, but then, like I said, I, then that affects me in a way that I don't have any comedy in, or comedian friends. So when I need pointers or when I want suggestions and shit like that, I, I, I don't have nobody to turn to, right? And I mean, you're the homie or whatever, but you live in the city. We obviously can't meet up and shit every time or whatever. So it's hard, right? So it's e the easiest thing would be to be friends with people. But anyway, um, yeah, what the fuck was I going to say? I don't fucking remember. No, but, like people that, People that run their mouth and start yeah. beef, like, like, yeah, it's comedy. We should be, like, people outside of comedy just think that, like, we're all clowns. We're always, like, happy-go-lucky, just trying to make each other laugh. Like, they're sabotaging this shit. Yeah. There's people that'll try to fuck up your bookings. There's people that'll, like, call out shit you do at an open mic, which is, like, calling somebody out for not doing the right rep at the gym. Like, that's our gym. Like you said, that's where we work out our shit. And it's, like, we're attempting to make people laugh. And you find out once you're in this shit that there's people that will work against you that have their own, like, prerogative, have their own boundaries. And if they don't like your premise, bro, they will go into a secret Facebook message group and try to fuck your shit up. So, Jesus Christ. Yeah, you find well, that shit out once you're in it, man. Well, when I was speaking about that shit, well, my next question to you was, has any comedian done any some does some shady shit to you? Or has any comedian uh, ever, like, tried to beef with you? Or is there anybody who has treated you like shit that you remember? Uh, you don't have to name drop. I just want to know, like, you know, what the experience is like now that I'm getting into the Chicago scene and I'm... Kind of working my way in there, you know what I'm saying? Thanks to you and thanks to the comics that have helped me. Nothing that they've ever... Like, this person specifically, she's calmed down. She moved to L.A. Um, but at the time, there was a joke uh, that I attempted. And I still use. I still have it in my thing. I just know that timing is important. And so I didn't throw away or retire the joke, but... If the opportunity presents itself, I'll still use it. Mm -hmm. But this person heard the premise of this joke, saw the delivery. Everybody was laughing. A couple people said, ooh, it was a little heavier joke. But I pride myself on navigating it very cleverly. It's a very thin trapeze act. There's a very small target I try to hit with all my jokes. And it's not easy to do. Right. Um, so I throw away a lot of jokes. There's a joke I pride myself on. And I told it at this open mic. I feel it went very well. This person had her own boundaries on what should be allowed in comedy or not. Uh, decided I was serious, and she went out of her way to try to get me banned from open mics, banned from rooms. And there's just this is one of those white girls with colored hair and crazy <laughs> piercings, and that 
It just wants to oppress people while claiming they're against oppressors. Like, you're trying to cancel a Mexican immigrant comedian because someone defied what you like. Like, everyone liked this. And you're like, I don't want this performed. They're like, well, it was funny. And, dude... The, the rage that some white women will have because they don't get their way is insane. Jesus. And so that's what happened to me in that situation. And mm. outside of that, man, I have a neck tattoo. I I guess I'm told I look intimidating because of my physique. He but... swole as hell, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, But the thing is, I'm, I'm so nice and supportive to people, but... People don't fuck with me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people shouldn't... You look intimidating. Yeah, I mean, that's why I feel like every time that I have or been up there or whatever, like, nobody ever says shit to me. Because, yeah, the way I look, I feel like, too. But, I mean, that's cool and all. But, like, yeah, I, I, I still want to not be that dude. Like, oh, don't fuck with him. I, I want to be cool, you know? I want to be friends. I want to shoot the shit. So I'm going I'm to start to open up a little <laughs> bit more and shit. Just be prepared for people once you... Start socializing a little more with, like, the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. Like, just be prepared to hear this a lot. Oh, you're, like, nice. You're, like, surprisingly nice. And I was like, okay, bitch. Okay, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Bitch, what the fuck? <laughs> but uh, yo, now that speaking about comedians that have treated us like shit or have done some shady shit to us, I've never, luckily, like I said, because I don't socialize with comedians a lot, um, I have never been into any drama. I try to stay away from it because, again, I feel like if I comment on some shit, somebody will say something, and then I want to fight. And then, that'll, like I said, give me more trouble, give me canceled or whatever the fuck. So I try to keep my mouth shut. But... There was this, I guess, to kind of match your story or whatever, not, you know, uh, there was the only time I ever felt like kind of embarrassed a little bit that, some, that somebody was clowning me or whatever. I went to the the comedy the the comedy bar open mic, you know, that uh, that open mic um, is, is, is a weird kind of way, the way it works. I kind of explained it a little bit here, but I'll kind of touch it again. Um, basically, you go up to this wheel, you spin it like the Wheel of Fortune, but it's not that big, right? It's a small wheel, like the one that have a shoe carnival and shit. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> it's that wheel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, you spin that motherfucker, and it basically lands on your time. You know, you might get three minutes, you might get four minutes, you, the most is six minutes, or you might you might get no microphone or skip spot, you know? So you could actually get skipped or whatever, or clean material, shit like that, right? So I spin, so... Uh, right, be- right before I go up, the guy that was hosting the show, he's a well-known comic in Chicago, uh, has a very uh, well-respected and a well-known show that he runs as well with a group of friends. So anyway, I knew who he was, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm trying to link up with him or what? I'm trying to chop it up. Hopefully, I can impress him. And right before I went on stage, he saw my name. He dropped my name. It said Too Skinny. So a lot of comedians sometimes, they kind of clown people that have stage names, right? And uh, I get it, you know, because some of them, do be lame and a lot of times most of the motherfuckers that be having stage names don't even be funny as fuck and I, and I understand or don't be funny at all and I, so I understand why some people may find it cringe right but anyway um, this dude kind of was clowning me about my name as I'm walking up to the stage and uh, cracked a few jokes or whatever the fuck I mean I get it it was, it was all a joke but I mean I just felt that way. And I'm not trying to be a pussy like, oh, you offended. No, 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 I wasn't offended. But I'm just saying it's kind of embarrassing. It's like when you're with your homie and some bitches come around and he start clowning you because you want to impress the bitches. Like, homie, like, shut the fuck up, right? So it was one of those moments for me, you know? And uh, anyway, I get on stage. And luckily for me, bro, this this open mic went the best case scenario. Like, the best I could have done. And it was five out of five for me, in my opinion, right? And even, um, even to the point where... Uh, it got me booked for the following weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, right? And uh, anyway, 
uh, after I got off stage, the comedian like recognized. He's like, "Oh, you like that show was funny as fuck." He's like, "I'm sorry, I said those things." And like, he actually apologized on the mic. So it was it even meant more to me because it was like, oh, "Okay, you was clowning on the mic and you apologized on the mic. I respect that shit, right?" And I mean, shit, I, I it was up to me to prove myself too. You know, as a newcomer, I can't be offended and shit. I can't be a pussy because that's what I, we talk about. We hate people like that, so I can't be like that. So anyway, I had to prove myself, and I did. I ended up getting booked for the weekend, but whatever. You know, it's just the only time I felt like I've ever kind of been like. Little homie or whatever the fuck, yeah. but um, but I mean shit. Regardless, I think it, it even motivated. I think it almost in a way motivated me. Uh, I, I wish I, you know what. As a matter of fact, if I could go back and change it, I wouldn't. Like I would leave it just like that because yeah. I felt like my set hit even harder because I was getting clowned. You know. Yeah. So anyway, uh, moving on from that a little bit. Um, oh man, uh, Jesus, I, we kind of talked about well, a lot that, of things. Yeah. While you look for that, it, the moments like that teach, and your adjustments to that will teach you that. Oh, I can jump this high. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna jump this high from now on, yeah. and I'm gonna jump even higher. So, no, that's good. A lot of people don't recover in moments like that. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad you did. I appreciate that, man. But uh, anyway, uh, well, there's before we get out of here, there's a story that we touched on earlier that you mentioned. So we talked about downtown a lot, and uh, recently downtown, uh, a few before the looting, this last looting that happened, uh, there was a fellow rapper that died downtown named uh, FBG Duck, where I actually talked about him on the podcast. Of, uh, last, I don't know if it was last week or the week before that, but I talked about him, and Renee, you told me you had a story about him. Yeah. So, uh, What are the initials again? FBG. What do they mean? Free Band Gang. Free Band Gang? Yeah. Free band gang. Yeah. Are they giving away money? I, I don't think so. Is it, a, is it a legit gang or like a studio gang? N- well, he's a real game banger because he was like part of like the GDs and English. But is that like his label name? Uh, yeah, I think I think it, it was like his label. It was on his name, but I think also kind of like because you know in Chicago everybody's a rapper now, right. so I think you know they almost they almost don't even game bang in gangs. They even game bang in their music group. You know, like. Yeah. Like, uh, like, Chief Keef almost made it popular to gangbang as, like, GBE, you know, versus the BDK movement or whatever. Well, yeah, it, there are GDs versus BDs or whatever, but, right. the, yeah, almost like the music took over the gang in a way. But, yeah, that's what it stands for, but he's a real gang member. FBG Duck. So, yeah, when that happened, um, and I'll, I'll be vague on the details because, like, I'll obviously talk about some stuff in my set, but uh, my lady, she was getting her hair done literally across the street from where this dude got shot. So she was in there when the gunshots went off. So they shot towards Dolce & Gabbana, Uh shattered those windows. She was across the street. Like, her car was in, like, all the film footage, all the news piece. So, like, I'm on the phone with this girl, like... Yo, like, are you good? Like, did the salon get shot up? Like, her car was taped in to this crime scene until, like, 11 at night, and she was stuck in Gold Coast for 2 p.m. So that was her. I was like, well, I guess you got a little street cred. Jesus Christ. Just, like, in the scene. But here, like, I was listening to your, like, last podcast, and please. Oh, the full kill Mary? Yeah, but please. (laughs) Like, for anybody that's part of that world, stop going on live. Like, please stop going on. Bro, people ain't got nothing but time. They will come find you. Like, and rest in peace to him. Like, um, but goddamn, do not let people know where you are unless they're family. Even then, question that shit. Like, that dude would still be alive if he didn't go live. Yeah, you know? literally, literally. Why would no pun intended, huh? Nah, Fuck. Man. But uh, anyway, um, Renee, you're going to be at the show. I'm very excited to bring you along, man. Um, where can my people find you, you know what I'm saying, so they can be ready and, uh, and already be following you so by the time you come to the show, they know who you are. Oh, yeah. So uh, you can uh, follow me at Gossip 
structure. Um, if you're like, what the fuck is that? It's it's my stage name when I was doing music more 24-7. Uh, so I kept it. It's all my social media handles. So find me on Twitter. Find me on Instagram. Gossip Structure. I'll open up the profile. It's private right now, um, but I'll open up public in case y'all want to follow until the day of the show. And I post funny shit on there. Um, I post funny memes. Yeah. It's, it's a content farm. Uh, and I shout people out. So uh, follow along there. Uh, I think my music link's there, too, if y'all want to dive into that. Um, but otherwise, see me at uh, at the Backyard Show. And uh, we're going to make sure you guys follow protocol. And Two Skinny is going to hit you with all that. Yup, yup, yup. So uh, the show is on the 22nd. So this is the last time you guys are going to hear my voice until the show. You know, the next time you will be... Shit, a lot of people that a lot of people that bought tickets I've never met before, you know, because it gives me a list of the names. So I'm excited to meet y'all. I'm excited to, uh, you know, what I'm saying because the people that I feel like the people that bought tickets are real like podcast listeners. And I mean, shit, they maybe didn't have time to make it to a comedy show, didn't have time or whatever the fuck. But uh, yeah, you know, what I'm saying I'm excited to to to, to go in there and, and try this new material. You know, what I'm saying because let's see what the fuck happens. I haven't tried this anywhere else. So if it don't work, man, fuck it. That's why I'm gonna call it a live podcast. So in case the shit suck, I'll be like, yeah, that was a podcast episode. That was not a stand up set. <laughs> But uh, anyway, for the people that are going to come, please wear a mask. We will have masks available as well. Um, but but if you got your own, bring your own shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for the people that bought tickets, please, please try to come with the people that you bought tickets for. Because, uh, you know, the guest list is only the names of the people who purchased the tickets that made the actual transaction. So if you bought four tickets, you know, for your homies or for your cousins, whatever the fuck, make sure you go ahead and bring them uh with you that way we can make sure everybody's seated together because we're going to bring in uh see people as they come in and try to fill it in uh so nobody's like trying to post up in the back of the fucking show like it's a spa or like it's the first day of class like y'all motherfuckers ain't you know ain't in school no more bro get your ass to a fucking seat so anyway everybody stay the fuck seated it's byob if you want to bring your own bottle go ahead bring your own whatever you want to drink go ahead do your thing you know what i'm saying i will let you know though if you do not have tickets do not come. I know some of y'all going to try some slick shit. Oh, my homegirl was with me. You know what I'm saying? Fuck all that because you will not get in. So please, if you don't get, do not have tickets, do, um, don't slide. You know what I'm saying? Because we're trying to keep it social distancing, all that bullshit. Um, but anyway, shit. I mean, we'll, oh, we'll have merch. Oh, keep going. Oh, we'll have merch. So bring your motherfucking money. It's going to be $20, you know, to supporting local... You know what I'm saying? Uh, man, really, shit. I got bills to pay, nigga. So bring uh, bring money. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have T-shirts, man. We're going to have beer. Not for sale. We're going to give away the beer, whatever. A few drinks and shit. Um, y'all can smoke, but wait till I hit the stage. Wait till I hit the stage so that this shit don't get popped beforehand, all right? If anybody smokes before I get on stage, I will kick you the fuck out myself. Real shit. No ugly bitches. Uh, <laughs> go ahead. What happened, bro? Oh, yeah. Uh, just some quick shit. Um, bro, like, we perform downtown... And we need more of y'all to be willing to drive downtown. So I forgot to plug one thing. Like, I have a show called Highly Recommended at the Laugh Factory. It's the second Thursday of every month. And we come back in September. Like, if you're willing to make the drive, hit me up on the social media, Gossip Structure, or the Laugh Factory page for my show. It's called Highly LF. for highly Short for Highly Recommended Laugh Factory. Highly LF. If you drive out, Bring your squad. I will give you free tickets. So that part hit, hit me up. I if I want y'all to come out because y'all are the best demographic. You're the best laughers at all our show. I'm tired of performing for only white people. <laughs> <laughs> so, so please, if you want to come out to the Laugh Factory, if you've never been, now's the time. I book too skinny all the time. He's gonna be back on the show. So 
Follow along. Hit me up. I will make sure you have free tickets. Guaranteed. Let's get it, man. You guys have a great week. Bye-bye.